Mindfulness Mode 109. I breathe in the universe and I breathe out Michael. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I'll send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy, along with some other entrepreneurs, to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com slash cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Michael Weinberger on the line today. Hey, Michael, are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely. And Bruce, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Great to have you on the show, Michael. Michael Weinberger is a software engineer who felt like his life was off the rails, dealing with bipolar disorder, which caused eating challenges, depression, and all kinds of other difficulties. Michael decided to take measures into his own hands. He created a piece of software to help him cope by using mindfulness on a regular basis. The software kept him on track and also helped him with his meds. Now, Michael, has made this solution available to others who deal with similar challenges. So, Michael, tell us what mindfulness means to you. So, Bruce, mindfulness uh, to me is the quieting of my mind and giving me an opportunity to live in the present moment and to react appropriately uh, to my thoughts and emotions and to truly experience life in, in real time is the best way I could explain it. Well, that's, that's really awesome. And it sounds like you were having a really tough time experiencing life in real time. Tell us some of those challenges that you dealt with before discovering mindfulness. Uh, so as, as you mentioned, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder uh, in 1994 uh, so it's been over 22 years uh, since I've had a diagnosis, uh, and I've certainly struggled uh, with uh, medication compliance and finding the right therapist. Uh, I had a verbally and physically abusive father growing up. Um, I had difficulties. I was expelled from a college. Uh, I had difficulties staying centered. I've lost all my money. I've gained and lost 155 pounds a couple of times, and uh, life was just a full-blown roller coaster. Uh, My emotions would ebb and flow with everyone else's emotions, and rather than having any point, any one point to center on, uh, I would go up and down with whoever I was with at that time, and I found it to be just an extremely excruciating way to live. Well, it sounds like it. It sounds like it must have been. So you were a child and you were diagnosed with something else first. Isn't that right? That's right. And so I started out with a diagnosis of attention deficit disorder. And I find that that's a very common uh, diagnosis or, or misdiagnosis for individuals that suffer with bipolar disorder. And uh, I was immediately given a stimulant to help manage my attention deficit disorder. And 
the worst thing uh, you can give to somebody that suffers from mania, uh, the worst drug you can give to somebody that suffers from mania is a stimulant because I really didn't need help going higher. Uh, I really, I really needed more help, st- you know, staying on the road. And so when I was given this stimulant, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I lived in this in New Jersey yes. and I would drive around the state of New Jersey to the tune of 50,000 miles a year. And I just couldn't sit still. Uh, the world was, was racing by at a hundred miles an hour. Uh, my mind was racing. I couldn't. I, I only felt comfortable driving a hundred miles an hour around the state. Wow, driving a hundred miles an hour. So, how old were you when you were uh, given these meds that cause an upper effect? So, I was sixteen, going on seventeen, uh-huh. and uh, I received my license. And that first night, uh, I left home and uh, called my mother from a payphone. Uh, explaining to her that I was 100 miles from home. I really didn't understand how I'd gotten there. I'm very confident that I'm going to come home. Uh, and uh, she let me go. Uh, and uh, everything worked out for the best, as, as you could hear today. Oh, wow. So she let you go. That means, what do you mean? You kind of moved out at that point? No, no, she just let me go. She she didn't fight with me over me needing to be stayed at home. Right. Uh, she didn't try and control the process. She understood something was wrong, uh, right. and she was really uh, a saint in my life. Uh, she was my biggest cheerleader uh, and one of the most influential people as to why I'm here today. Oh, wow. And And so she always helped you. I'm sure you had challenges as a younger child then. Is that right? Before you were on any kind of meds? Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I had difficulty in school, uh, not difficulty from uh, an educational or learning perspective, uh, difficulty from a staying in the same place uh, for more than uh, a few hours. Um, I would say to my teachers, uh, you know, if you're only going to be reading the book to me, uh, maybe you should just excuse me from class uh, if you're not going to be adding insight. Because I just struggled with, I, I, I the best way I could describe it, my mind is listening to the world at 100 miles an hour, and everyone else is speaking at 5 miles an hour. So in some ways, is that an advantage? Like if you want to achieve something, you want to create a business, or you want to do something on your own that you can control the speed, that sounds like that could be an advantage. I, I believe so. I, I'm, a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I continue to create and solve problems for my clients. Uh, I work as a consultant uh, simply because I'm probably a terrible employee. Uh, I like to come and go. Uh, uh, I like to solve problems in in the moment and then move on to the next problem. Uh, And so I have a uh, successful technology business uh, where I work with small businesses to solve their problems and then move on to the next problem at the next business. Well, let's jump into how you solved some of these challenges for yourself using software. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. Uh, one of the core uh, principles uh, of recovery for me uh, is the use of uh, mindfulness. And let me define mindfulness again. Uh, mindfulness is the slowing of my mind. So I could truly appreciate life. 
and it gives me an opportunity to live in real time uh, and gives me an opportunity to experience everything I'm supposed to be experiencing. Prior to understanding mindfulness, uh, I give a visual uh, every time I talk, is that your left hand uh, are your thoughts and your right hand is your reaction. And so if you could visualize, most of the world lives with their hands squeezed together, right? I can give you the example. Someone cuts you off in traffic. On your left hand, you experience someone cutting you off. On your right hand, you're immediately clapping because you're reacting to that, Yes. right? And so I I believe that uh, as humans, we've been built with arms and shoulders and a head for a reason because – Let's give ourselves a chance to experience the emotion going up your arm, across your shoulders, through your mind, down your other arm, and then deciding how to react. Right. And the simple explanation right there is someone cut me off. I pause. I experience frustration and irritation and irritability. And I feel those things and then I start to realize I felt those things before in my life and my life hasn't ended. Right. So it's kind of an analytical approach. Right. And so since my life hasn't ended and I've gotten through it, now I'm able to uh, process that emotion and not necessarily react out of instinct but react out of a place of support and compassion and patience and uh, present being, right? right. Because the, the best way I could describe mindfulness, if anybody could tell me who cut them off a week ago on a Monday, that person's a special person <laughs> right. because I can't. No. I have no idea who cut me. I don't know who cut me off this morning. And I could assure you that it's never worth, you know, I I always describe uh, disproportionate responses to simple events, right? We always have a, you know, would you ever spend the amount of time worrying about a situation in your life when you reflect back on that situation? Well, no, you, you wouldn't, would you? Right. Most people would say, well, you know, that was kind of a waste of energy. Right. And so for me, what I've learned, because I do have a diagnosis that causes me to be uh, impulsive and reactive and uh, combustible, if if I could use that word, Mm -hmm. uh, I need the opportunity to stop and breathe and move forward. Right. And a lot of other people do too. And so you're obviously helping others to do the exact same thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find that mindfulness uh, really starts with a simple, simple way in the morning by asking yourself, how happy are you? And I'll explain to you the process. If you wake up in the morning, I've been trained from early childhood. You cannot decide how you feel from the comfort of your own bed. And it sounds simple, but so many people are in a dark room, it's comfortable, and they decide that 
they are upset or they're depressed or the day isn't worth living or uh, they're too overcome with emotion. Mm -hmm. And I was raised that you get up and you take a shower and you go and you eat breakfast and you start your day. And for me, my app, a planforliving.com, which I'll go into, mm -hmm. asks a simple question. How happy are you? One is absolutely depressed and overcome with emotion and in having an inability to function for the day. Ten is probably grandiose and taking over the world. And I find that simply asking myself the question helps establish a baseline for myself so I know how well I'm doing day to day. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And just by positioning it positively – I'm already thinking, how happy am I? It doesn't say, how upset am I? It doesn't say, how do I feel, which I believe is too abstract. It puts you in the mindset, how happy are you? Well, I'm not that happy, but that's okay. I'm still better than a one. Right. And yeah. so now, uh, if I set myself up, and let's say I answer a four, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have said to me, well, what does a four mean? And I think one of the biggest things I struggle with in life is comparing myself to others and being envious of other people. And uh, my answer to what is a four, it's whatever a four means to you, mm -hmm. right? And so you know that an eight is simply twice as good as a four for you. So there's no wrong answer here. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I start with an answer for the day, and my day typically starts at about a six. And after I answer that simple question, I immediately go into a creating a gratitude list. And I'll explain to you how gratitude contributes to mindfulness because I truly believe mindfulness is rewiring your brain to find happiness and joy and peace. How great is it when, you find, when you're able to reflect on your life and change your own perspective and realize how grateful you are for the things you have in your life? Well, that is pretty, that's pretty great. You know, like being able to just relax, be mindful, be grateful. Then all of a sudden you realize things are a lot better than you thought they were usually. That's right. And not only do you, not only are they much better than they thought you were, you're actually not doing so bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Because I wake up every morning and I could easily create a list of negativity. I don't have this. I don't have that. My clients are yelling at me. I'm overdue on projects. I would like to lose more weight. Uh, you know, my wife and I aren't uh, intimate enough. That list is easy for people to come up with. Right. I can assure you it's not that easy for you to come up with, and I even struggle a little bit with it after you use my app, A Plan for Living. And the reason why is I now wake up, and I am grateful for my healthy kids. I'm grateful for my amazing wife. I'm grateful for my verbally and emotionally abusive father. Why? Because I'm able to see that that's not how you treat people. And that's not how I'm going to treat myself. Right. I'm grateful for the fact that I've been divorced. I'm grateful for the fact that I suffer with addiction. Because 
I'm, I, I've been given the ability to reflect on my life every day and improve my life. Right. I am able to take these things that people might perceive as negatives. Like I, I need to lose more weight. Well, for me, I'm grateful I only have to lose 60 pounds. Right? Mm-hmm. I could be upset that I have to lose 60 pounds or be grateful that it's not 100 pounds. Right? Sure. Yes. Whatever my situation is, I could be grateful. And I find that I easily crank off 20 to 30 items of gratitude every morning before I even start my day. Wow, I love that. That is just great. You know, gratitude is so powerful. I want to change things a little bit and talk about self-medication because that's been a problem for you, I know. And I know that food has been such a challenge and that's a form of self-medication. Tell us how you're able to control your food intake now compared to the past. Absolutely. And, and so to touch on uh, to touch on that, so I'm going to answer that question by not answering the question, if I may, <laughs> okay. uh, because I, I want to touch on something that is is critical to this. So, uh, if I may, I'd like to touch on the concept of spirituality, because I think part of successful recovery involves a spiritual component. And when I speak about spirituality, immediately some people start turning off and stop listening. Some people immediately think that I'm going to start mentioning God and religion and prayer and all of these scary terms that people may or may not have may or may not believe in, but have a strong opinion about. And for me, uh, the reason I touch on spirituality, uh, I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's something in the universe that takes care of how. Things come together that you can't otherwise explain. That's it. Spirituality for me is that simple explanation of why can I not explain why certain phenomena take place? And the essence of not understanding that phenomena is where I'm going to put my belief. And so uh, while I, I, I was raised Jewish, I still have a cultural and religious identity as a Jewish individual. However, I believe that um, asking the universe for guidance when I'm stuck helps me get unstuck. It helps me shed the burden of having to solve all of my own problems. The greatest example I can give, and many, many people have experienced this, is that How many people have stepped on a scale and right before they stepped on the scale, they know they've been eating poorly. They pause and close their eyes for even a second. That's spirituality. (laughs) It might not be your God, but you're talking to somebody and you're saying, listen, I know I've been super lousy with my food, but if you just give me a good number. Yeah. Whoever you define as that you is spirituality. And so for me, I use the word prayer simply because it's a great reflection of the action I'm taking. 
but it could be used as thoughts or wishes or intentions or desires or wants, right? And in my app, A Plan for Living, you're able to customize it so it fits to your uh, tone. So, yeah. So is prayer your form of meditation? Prayer is one form of meditation. Right. And so the way I look at prayer is after I create my gratitudes, I pray for those around me. I hope, and and I could easily exchange the word hope, I hope uh, friends that are going through divorces are going to be okay. I hope that uh, friends that are trying to have children are going to have whatever they're meant to have and that they're going to be happy. I hope for humility and patience and willingness, right? I pray for clients of mine that are struggling. I hope they do well. And I don't hope that they do well because they're going to pay me. I truly hope they do well so they can be happy because I believe I'm going to be taken care of in whatever form it's going to take. And I'll explain to you how I have such a strong belief system in a moment. Okay. However, I believe that if you're able to get out this prayer list, all of a sudden you're now witnessing or watching your life, right? Right. You're no longer actively engaged in the act of control, right? You no longer need outcomes in order to be happy because you're placing that burden, that relief on somebody else. And so the way I view gratitude and spirituality is, uh, Bruce, if I were to say to you, I'm going to pay all your bills for the rest of your life so you don't have another concern. Right. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Many people would uh, be grateful for that, and, and there's a sense of relief that comes off. Right. You're like, oh, Michael, you're going to take care of that. I don't have to worry about these things anymore. Well, through the use of my app, you could experience that every day. Wow, that sounds great. You have the ability to experience that on a daily basis. And um, the the final act uh, of uh, the final component of my application is the concept of experiences. And it's writing down experiences as you have them throughout the day, both positive and negative, so you're able to reflect on how happy you are relative to the emotions you're experiencing. Okay, so some people would call this journaling, so it's the same kind of thing then, right? That's exactly right. And the reason why uh, I find this the, the app to be critical is everybody has problems, very few people know how to even start an honest conversation with themselves. They don't want to go to therapy because they now are going to be exposed, right? You're going to be exposed as a fraud. You don't want to tell your loved ones because they're going to judge you or, or critique you, right? You might not have the money. You might not have the time. You have all of these reasons not to do it. I created the app because I needed something that was judgment-free, stigma-free, inexpensive, and actually free at the moment, and always available. 
I could tell you, I've told the app things that I'm not comfortable saying out loud to other human beings, and the app has never laughed at me. It has never judged me. It has never prevented me from continuing on. It has never even critiqued me for feeling like life wasn't worth living in the morning and that I can't believe I thought that this morning. Right, right. Because those, those are emotions. They are simply emotions. And I do a lot of journaling and blogging on that at the website, aplanforliving.com, so you can get more of my thoughts. Um, but so, so Bruce, I, that's what I wanted to kind of touch on from a, a mindfulness perspective. Right. And I can't wait to check this out. And I want to jump on one thing you said, that so many of us are afraid that we'll be exposed as a fraud. Do you think that us being dishonest with ourselves is one of the big problems that people have with themselves and with their uh, mindset? I I do. I actually believe, and and if I can coin the phrase, and if it's coined already, I apologize to the coiner. But if I can (laughs) coin the phrase, it's unintentional dishonesty. Okay. Because you don't intentionally... You're not intentionally lying to yourself and others. No. You just don't real you don't know what honesty is. Right. You don't know what the truth is because the society says advance your career, have the bigger house, the better car, the more kids, the the white picket fence. So you start to tell yourself this story. Yeah. And so I believe that you don't even know what story you're telling yourself. Right. And what is the truth? Well, the truth for me, Bruce, the truth is I'm terrified I'm going to be a failure. I'm terrified I'm going to let my kids and my wife down. I'm terrified my meds are going to stop working. I'm terrified I'm going to gain 300 pounds, Right. I'm terrified that people are going to find out that despite my success, maybe I'm not that good, right? And I just shared those five things because, A, I have those fears. And you know what I tell people that I coach at the end of the day? What's that? It's okay. That's great. The fact that you've experienced them and you know that. Because how do you make progress? You first have to stop and realize where you are. Right. If I didn't realize I was terrified of failing, how could I succeed? Wow. By, by not failing? By, by being terrified more? Right? How do you do that? I simply embrace it. Because there's, there's uh, a lot of, of, of profound authors out there. And one of the things that I uh, believe in is this concept of unconditional happiness. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people, and so even in my lifetime, and I can only speak from personal experience, in my lifetime, as soon as I made X, I would be happy. As soon as I weighed X, I would be happy, right? As soon as I had X number of kids, I'd be happy. As Mm -hmm. soon as, well, I'll tell you, I ended up making X. I'll tell you, I lost 155 pounds. I had two kids. I had a wife. I had the house, right? Mm -hmm. But what, what was I doing? I was living in fear. So it didn't pan out. 
Right. It, well, the happiness didn't arrive right. when I was promised. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. You got, I, right, the, right. You got exactly. the thing and the happiness just didn't happen. Right. And so for me, uh, I currently weigh 300 pounds, uh, 80 pounds off of my low, and I'm happier than I've ever been. Oh, that is so great. And, you know, th- this is just such great, great info on mindset. And, you know, I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time, and I've, I've seen how mindfulness can really make a big difference there. But it sounds like a lot of what you teach is that we can be our own bully, and then we can learn to control that bullying. Is that kind of a concept that makes sense to you? I I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I feel that... Uh, until so all everyone has this internal dialogue that's happening in their mind and if you could think back to the last time you were driving home to meet your spouse or on the way to a business meeting that you were unsure of your brain was playing this conversation over and over and over again oh yeah and that conversation is either positive or negative and Depending on the outcome, the conversation will switch gears, which is why I've learned you can't trust that little voice because if you're on your way to a sales call and your little voice says you're never going to get it because you're not good enough Mm -hmm. and you go in and you sell and you get it, what's that voice saying to you on your way to the car? It's saying, great job. I knew you were going to get it. (laughs) Well, that's... I, I personally try not to believe in, in liars. Right. Well, I've learned that the voice in my head is a compulsive liar uh-huh. who likes to agree with the ebb and flow of my emotion. Well, I've learned that through spirituality and mindfulness, I could stop that voice at any time and get, check in on reality, Right. On the way into a sales call, and so, for example, on the way into a sales call, when I touch the doorknob, I might pause for a second and just ask for the right thought. That pause is simply saying the noise in my head, just stop, because whatever's going to be is going to be. Right. Good concept. Michael, were you ever bullied? And if you were, was mindfulness something that helped you through it? So I, I believe that I have an interesting, interesting notion of bullying, but I'll, I'll go with this. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had a verbally and physically uh, and emotionally abusive father. Right. And uh, growing up, uh, I would regularly have to defend myself mm. and my actions. And the, the louder or stronger I defended or disagreed with my father – the louder and more aggressive he got. Right. And in my lifetime, I learned that in order to get things, you become loud and you become aggressive. What mindfulness has taught me, and it's actually helped me eliminate the relationship with my father from my life, is that I never deserved anything I got. I... I don't don't like the use of the word victim. However, I was able to empower myself to no longer engage in that relationship. And I was able to do that through mindfulness. 
mindfulness in the sense that before I engage, I take a deep breath. Is this my emotions running my decisions or my or my thoughts? Right? What is getting in, in out of whack here? And oftentimes I was just trying to one up myself and 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 benefit from the argument. Right. Mindfulness gave me the ability to pause and stop and determine what direction I want to take. And oftentimes I was able to make the healthier, uh, more constructive decision uh, with my life. That is really, really great to hear and, and a great lesson, Mindful Tribe, for us all. You know, we, we try to be mindful and we work on it, but Michael has really been through this stuff and is really pointing out some excellent ways to maintain mindfulness. Michael, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? So Dr. Denise Brooks uh, is my current therapist, Mm -hmm. and uh, she introduced me to really aggressively pursuing mindfulness as a way of treating my diagnosis. Uh, And I found she's been uh, instrumental in that. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Mindfulness has allowed me to get my emotions in check, uh, emotions that were otherwise way out of control. Uh, It gave me the opportunity to pause and take stock of where I was and what I needed to do next. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is is actually probably the foundation of my mindfulness practice. Simply the act of taking a deep breath when I think something or when I'm racing gives me enough pause to stop and really determine what the right action is, right? And so without that, I've always learned that in order to change directions, you have to stop first. And my brain doesn't know how to stop without, you know, physical cues and and taking a deep in-breath and blowing it out is a significant part of that uh, that stopping. And one time you mentioned that as you take the in-breath, you think of, what was that you said, Michael? Absolutely. So uh, similar to my concept of spirituality is I breathe in the universe and I breathe out Michael. And just that simple visualization of Michael being that out-of-control, out-of-touch set of emotions in my body I simply breathe in the peace that is out there, and I breathe out myself. I I really like that. That's awesome. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be, Michael? So a a book, uh, an author that I'm a big follower of is Michael Singer. Uh, One of his books is The Untethered Soul. Uh, He does some great work around uh, living in the present moment and uh, describing – uh, unconditional happiness. Yeah, I love that book too. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? An app besides your own, which I know is awesome, a plan for living. Can you suggest another app besides that? So uh, I use uh, I use a handful of apps. Uh, I use simple apps like Breathe and Calm. Uh, 
Uh, I've used apps like Headspace and Happify. Uh, each serve their own purpose. Uh, some of them are driven by uh, content, and uh, some of them have uh, simple, uh, simple steps to, to get yourself out of the present moment. So what advice would you give a person who's new to this whole idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I believe that my, I've learned that mindfulness uh, doesn't require fancy outfits and uh, renovated rooms in your house uh, and expensive teachers. Uh, I believe that uh, the practice of mindfulness is as fast as sitting at a red light and taking a deep breath. And it can be practiced anywhere at any time. And you will receive immediate benefits from it. There's no wrong way of doing it. Totally. Yeah. Wow. It's just been fantastic what you've shared with Mindful Tribe today, Michael. Tell us how we can contact you, how we can learn more about what you do, and how we can get a hold of a plan for living. Absolutely. A Plan for Living is currently available at uh, my website, aplanforliving.com. It will soon be available in the App Store and uh, Google Play Store. It's currently available directly on the website on all mobile platforms. Uh, My personal email address is mweinberger, as in M. Michael Weinberger, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R at aplanforliving.com. I respond to all inbound requests personally. I make myself available for coaching sessions, uh, and I also make myself available for speaking engagements. Uh, If there's a large enough group and I need to travel, I will do that uh, to come and and, uh, uh, teach uh, a plan for living's methodology. Great. Well, thank you again, Michael, for joining us here on Mindfulness Mode and all the very best to you. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.